0: Section ten, this and that and the other. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This and that and the other, by Hilaire Belloc. Section ten, chapter nine continued. They went together down the turnings of a couple of broad streets lined with great private palaces and public temples, until they came to a garden which had no boundaries to it but which was open and apparently the property of the city. But the people who wandered here were at once so few, so discreet and so courteous, my friend could not discover whether they were, as their salute seemed to indicate, the dependents of his lost host, or merely acquaintances who recognized him on their way. This garden, as they proceeded, became more private and more domestic. It led by narrowing paths through high, diversified trees until, beyond the screen of a great beech hedge, he saw the house, and it was all that a house should be. Its clear, well-set stone walls were in such perfect harmony with the climate and with the sky, its roof-garden from which a child was greeting them upon their approach, so unexpected and so suitable its arched open gallery was of so august a sort and yet the domestic ornaments of its colonnade so familiar that nothing could be conceived more appropriate for the residence of man the mere passage into this home out of the warm morning daylight and into the inner domestic cool was a benediction and in the courtyard which they had thus entered a lazy fountain leaped and babbled to itself in a manner that filled the heart with ease I do not know, said his host, in a gentle whisper, as they crossed the courtyard, whether it is your custom to bathe before the morning meal, or in the middle of the afternoon. Why, sir, said my friend, if I may tell the whole truth, I have no custom in the matter. But perhaps the middle of the afternoon would suit me best. By all means, said his host, in a satisfied tone, and I think you have chosen wisely, for the meal you have ordered will very shortly be prepared. BUT FOR YOUR REFRESHMENT AT LEAST, ONE OF MY FRIENDS SHALL PUT YOU IN ORDER, COOL YOUR HANDS AND FOREHEAD, SEE TO YOUR FACE AND HAIR, PUT COMFORTABLE SANDALS UPON YOUR FEET, AND GIVE YOU A CHANGE OF raiment. ALL OF THIS WAS DONE. MY FRIEND'S HOST DID WELL TO CALL THE SERVANT WHO ATTENDED UPON HIS GUEST, A FRIEND, FOR THERE WAS IN THIS MAN'S MANNER NO TRACE OF SERVILITY OR OF DEPENDENCE and yet an eager willingness for service coupled with a perfect reticence which was admirable to behold and feel. When my friend had been thus refreshed he was conducted to a most exceptional little room. Four pictures were set in the walls of it, mosaics they seemed, but he did not examine their medium closely. The room itself, in its perfect lightness and harmony, with its view out through a large round arch upon the countryside, beyond the walls, the old turrets of which made a framework for the view, exactly prepared him for the meal that was prepared. While the oysters, delightful things, were entering upon their tray, and were being put upon the table, the host, taking my friend aside with an exquisite gesture of courteous privacy, led him through the window-arch onto a balcony without and said, as they gazed upon the wall and the plate and the mountains beyond, What a sight they were! there is one thing my dear sir that i should like to say to you before you eat it is rather a delicate matter you will not mind my being perfectly frank speak on speak on said my friend who by this time would have confided any interest whatsoever into the hands of such a host well said that host continuing a little carefully it is this as you can see we are very careful in this city to make men as happy as may be WE ARE HAPPY OURSELVES, AND WE LOVE TO CONFER HAPPINESS UPON OTHERS, STRANGERS AND TRAVELERS, WHO HONOR US WITH THEIR PRESENCE. BUT WE FIND, I AM VERY SORRY TO SAY WE FIND, THAT IS, WE FIND FROM TIME TO TIME THAT THEIR COMPLETE HAPPINESS, NO MATTER WITH WHAT WE MAY PROVIDE THEM, IS DASHED BY CERTAIN FORMS OF ANXIETY, THE CHIEF OF WHICH IS ANXIETY WITH REGARD TO THEIR FUTURE RECEIPTS OF MONEY. MY friend STARTED. Nay, said his host hastily, do not misunderstand me. I do not mean that preoccupations of business are alone so alarming. What I mean is that sometimes, yes, and I may say often, horrible as it seems to us, our guests are in an active preoccupation about the petty business of finance. Some few have debts, it seems, in the wretched society from which they come, and of which frankly I know nothing. Others, though not indebted, feel insecure about the future. Others, though wealthy, are oppressed by their responsibilities. Now, he continued firmly, I must tell you once and for all that we have a custom here upon which we take no denial, no denial whatsoever. Every man who enters this city, who honours us by their entering this city, is made free of that sort of nonsense. Thank God and as he said this my friend's host breathed a great sigh of relief. It would be intolerable to us to think, he continued, that our welcome and dear companions were suffering from such a tawdry thing as money-worry in our presence. So the matter is plainly this. Whether you like it or whether you do not, the sum of ten thousand pounds is already set down to your credit in the public bank of the city. Whether you use it or not is your business. If you do not... It is our custom to melt down an equivalent sum of gold, and to cast it into the depths of the river, for we have of this metal an unfailing supply, and I confess we do not find it easy to understand the exaggerated value which other men place upon it. I do not know that I shall have occasion to use so magnificent a custom, said my friend, with an extraordinary relief in his heart, but I certainly thank you very kindly for its intention and I shall not hesitate to use any sum that may be necessary for my continuing the great happiness which this city appears to afford. You have spoken well, said his host, seizing both his hands, and your frankness compels me to another confession. We have at our disposal a means of discovering exactly how any one of our guests may stand, the responsibilities of the rich, the indebtedness of the embarrassed, the anxiety of those whose future may be precarious, MAY I TELL YOU, WITHOUT discourtesy, THAT YOUR OWN CASE IS KNOWN TO ME, AND TO TWO TRUSTEES WHO ARE PUBLIC OFFICIALS, ABSOLUTELY RELIABLE, AND WHOM FOR THAT MATTER YOU WILL NOT MEET. MY FRIEND MUST HAVE LOOKED INCREDULOUS, BUT HIS HOST CONTINUED FIRMLY, IT IS SO. WE HAVE SETTLED YOUR WHOLE MATTER. I AM GLAD TO SAY ON TERMS THAT SETTLE ALL YOUR LIABILITIES, AND LEAVE A FURTHER FIFTY THOUSAND POUNDS TO YOUR CREDIT IN THE PUBLIC BANK. But the size of the sum is in this city really of no importance. You may demand whatever you will, and enjoy, I hope, a complete security during your habitation here. And that habitation, both the town council and the national government, beg you, through me, to extend to the whole of your life. Imagine, said my friend, how I felt. The oysters were now upon the table, and before them ready for consumption the caviar. The bar-sack in its original bottle cooled, need I say, to exactly thirty-eight degrees stood ready. At this point he stopped, and gazed into the fire. "'But, my dear fellow,' said I, "'if you are coming to me for sympathy, and simply succeeded in making me hungry and cross.' "'No,' said my friend with a sob, "'you don't understand,' and he continued to gaze at the fire. "'Well, go on,' said I angrily. THERE ISN'T ANY ON, HE SAID. I WOKE. WE BOTH LOOKED INTO THE FIRE TOGETHER FOR PERHAPS THREE MINUTES BEFORE I SPOKE AND SAID, WILL YOU HAVE SOME WINE? NO, THANK YOU, HE ANSWERED SADLY. NOT THAT WINE. THEN HE GOT UP UNEASILY AND MOVED FOR HIS UMBRELLA AND HIS galoshes, AND THE PASSAGE AND THE DOOR. I THOUGHT HE MUTTERED, YOU MIGHT HAVE HELPED ME. HOW COULD I HELP YOU? I SAID SAVAGELY well he sighed i thought you could it was a bitter disappointment good night and he went out again into the rain and over the clay the end of chapter nine the end of section ten